Your Brain on Weird is recorded in private homes in a state where marijuana is recreationally legal. This show's content is intended for adult audiences only. I'm Sam. My pronouns are they, them. I'm Sage. My pronouns are she, her. And this is our podcast. Yay! About being weird. And also weird stories and things and weird weed as well. <laughs> Ooh, that was some good alliteration. <laughs> That's a lot of W's. That was very good. I love yes, that. Yes. All right. Can I get a W in the chat? <laughs> Immense W. Immense Huge w. w. The largest W you could possibly get at Microsoft Word. I think that's like 72 or something. I was going to say like 120 point font. It's going to be crazy. Yeah. So uh, anyways, uh, how you doing today, Sage? I'm doing pretty good. I uh, went thrifting today and that was great. I found some cool stuff. Yay. Um, some new planters and whatnot. I got a new plant to replace the one that died last week that Yay. I had to throw out last week, so I'm <laughs> pretty happy about that, although I'm still sad that I had to throw out the actual plant. It uh, really bummed me out having to just walk it down to the dumpster. I was like, like, isn't there a way I can save this? Like, knowing there was definitely not. Cause, and like, there really is not, yeah. No. That's so sad. Because yeah. it had, like, like, literally a bacterial infection. It was just going to spread all through the rest of the plant. I was like, well... Okay, um, so yeah, I got a replacement, and it looks very nice, so I'm excited about that. Yay. And, uh, yeah, it was also really nice out today. My car is completely fixed now, which is great, which means I can actually, like, go places. And, uh, I try to go out when the sun is out, so I, like, waited until the sun came out, and then I left. (laughs) Hell yeah, dude. Maximize the sun time. Yeah, exactly. Feeling pretty great. How are you? That's great. I'm pretty pretty good i uh once again am now the proud owner of a camper vehicle (laughs) soon to be camper vehicle Uh, i bought i bought my van i bought a van this weekend and uh feels good man i gotta actually i'm gonna recreate that picture that i took in front of the rv (laughs) yay okay but with the van it's gonna be Uh great um so i'm very excited to start building it out and stuff and we got a bunch of plywood from my dad so that's gonna be very useful Uh and uh yeah it's gonna be great although i had to drive it back yesterday from new hampshire and it was raining the whole way so that was really sad Um, yeah i also haven't been outside at all today well i don't know looks okay (laughs) (laughs) so maybe i'll go outside after this yeah yeah it's still pretty early so exactly would recommend yes definitely we're on the up and up really good good great i'm very excited to help you do stuff to it and make it nice and whatnot yeah um oh wait i i thought of a very very good name but i have to (gasps) make sure i'm saying it right okay okay so my first 
My first van, uh, my first RV's name was Hubert. Uh huh. So I think this one, uh, it's gonna be uh, Cuber, <laughs> like uh, the little dude from Adventure Time who does oh, all the yay! gray balls. Um, I just had to make sure there wasn't a T at the end. I, saw, I thought there was some. So cur. it's so it's C U B E R. Yeah, Cuber. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Oh, it's going to have the rainbow. Oh, it's going to be great. Okay, yeah, it's cool. going to have a little rainbow stripe on it. A tasteful stripe. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> Around the side of the car, like a belt. <laughs> nice. Yeah, it's going to be great. So I'm very oh, excited. Oh, do suspenders, man. What if we do Just right around the front. Just the front, <laughs> Just yeah. right up the front. <laughs> yeah, like racing stripes, except for, like, suspenders. There's instead. two of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The buckles and everything. Oh, yeah. Could be It has potential. I don't know. It's got the potential. (laughs) Yeah. Also, I'm very excited because we're planning on making it fully off-grid. Yes. So we're going to get a solar system for it and stuff. And I'm very excited. Uh, Also, Nick is excited to take our puppy camping, like, every single weekend. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Great. Yay! (sighs) Good shit. Very good. And that's that. How much water have you drank today? Oof, not much. Uh, I had I had a little bit of water when I woke up this morning, and then when I went out thrifting, I, I actually stopped and got a Dr. Pepper because I was really craving a soda, oh, which yeah. is very out of character for me. I very rarely have like an actual soda, but it was great, and I love Dr. Pepper. So It's a good choice. <laughs> yes. And then when I got home, I filled this big boy up and i've drank one of them plus a half and then i filled it up a little bit so like so i guess like one and like probably two big cups of water (laughs) which is not great um but i'm very thirsty so i'm probably gonna be like stopping to chug water a lot while i'm telling my story today (laughs) do it that's fine (laughs) we're never gonna yell at you for hydrating good great perfect um you'll just hear my ice bopping around in my cup well this one's plastic so it doesn't really oh it doesn't make the nice sound it normally makes that's okay um how are you doing (laughs) hydration wise Um, i'm about to finish my third large bottle of the day i also had oh my god i made a coffee drink at work this morning and uh i didn't do a good job making it so Uh oh I that made my so drink, sad. filled it with ice, took like four sips, waited until the ice melted, and then added more ice, and then like drank half of it, and then added more ice. Oh my god. So I ended up drinking a lot of uh like ice, melted ice, to try to water down my overstrong coffee. Melted ice. Yes. Yeah, lots of melted ice. Yep, we've discovered is water. Yes. Thank oh, you. Oh, yeah. Uh. <laughs> that's good then i guess that sucks that uh you didn't like your drink though yeah yeah i just um the first shot of espresso that we pull from the machine in the morning is always like a little weird oh and normally i dump it out but it like looked fine and i should have just dumped it out <laughs> oh man that stinks well yeah, yeah. it's fine it's now fine. you know now i know Great. and that's that on that <laughs> Well, would you like to tell me a story? Yes. Do you want to refill your water before I start telling you a story? Or? Yeah, probably. Okay. 
I'll go do that real quick. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> it was looking pretty low there. Womp. <clears throat> oh, I forgot I, I forgot to mention I also have a beer, so. Oh yeah, strange beer. Frobscottle. Frobscottle. <laughs> Frobscottle. Sour ale with oats and a hint of raspberry, which is apparently based off of uh the roll doll book, I guess. What was it again? Big Friendly Giant. BFG. Oh, yeah. That BFG. was his favorite drink. Ah, but thank it's, you. Yes. Uh, a beer and also not green. Now it's a beer and now it's not green, which is a little disappointing, but that's okay. It's still good, so I will settle for it. <clears throat> okay. So, <laughs> you already know what I'm going to talk about, probably. But last week I mentioned that I had been getting a lot of like synchronicities related to uh, the Loch Ness monster. Oh, so yeah. I decided to uh, go ahead and cover it. So, uh, yeah, so this is Nessie, or the Loch Ness Monster. And this is actually going to be two parts. So this is going to be my third two-parter, I think. Wow. And the reason why is because I, so the first part is going to be like a timeline of all of the sightings and um, stories and whatnot. And then the second part is going to be more of like a conversation about like, I'm going I'm to tell you a few things that have been discovered and all of the research that's been done, and then we're just going to kind of discuss it for the second part. Okay. Um, because I figured if we put the two together, it was just going to be way too long because it's a lot of information. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Anyway. So, yeah, this is part one. So, my sources were Wikipedia, of course. I also listened to, I think it was Stuff You Should Know. Hold on, I gotta look. Yes, it was Stuff You Should Know. And it was their episode on the Loch Ness Monster. I also listened to that. And I have a couple other sources that I now know I need to check out. So through the next two weeks, between part one and part two, I'm going to check out those other sources to make sure I cover all my bases. And then in part two, I'll discuss whatever I missed. So okay, I realized I did not have enough time. I'm also reading that book that I have way too slowly. So anyway, before I get into this, we talk about Loch Ness. Loch means lake. It's located in the Scottish Highlands. It's a freshwater lake, and it's named after the nearby River Ness. And apparently the original name for the River Ness means Roaring One. Ooh. So that's fun. <clears throat> it's about 56 square miles or 22 square miles, or 50, 56 <laughs> square kilometers, <laughs> goddammit, or 22 square miles. Okay. It's the largest lake by volume in the British Isles, and its deepest point is 230 meters, or 755 feet. So, um, it just has a shit ton of water in it. It contains more water than all of the lakes and in England and Wales combined. Oh so, my god. <laughs> yeah. There's actually a part of the lake, too, that is, like, apparently a little bit deeper I don't know if this has been proven, but somebody somebody apparently through sonar discovered that there's like almost like a gouge in the earth in the bottom that goes deeper. It goes down to like maybe like 800 feet. Wild. So, yeah. Um, and it's the whole entire lock is kind of like long and skinny. Um, I feel like all of the lakes and stuff that have 
cryptids supposedly living in them all have very weird topography. Because um, the one that I talked about, uh, Kisai in Japan, yeah, uh, that lake was not only inside like an active volcano, uh, but it was also just like straight down for like fifteen hundred feet or something like that, like insanely deep. I yeah. remember that. Oh, I do remember that. That was wild. Um, Lake Champlain, too. Like, I was thinking about, like, Champy this entire time. I was, like, yeah. researching this. Yeah. like... All of them. They just have, like, really weird fucking... It's very strange. It's yeah. very strange. So, that's all I have for, like, the history. That's just, like, a brief overview, I guess. If you want to uh, learn more about it, Stuff You Should Know, actually, their podcast had a lot of information about, like, the whole history of that entire area. So, if you want to go listen to that, I definitely recommend it. It's um, a pretty fun and informative podcast. Wow. Wow. So let's start with the sightings. I'm going to try and kind of fly through these. Um, there's a lot, but we can like discuss them as we go. They're all very unique. So I think it'll be interesting. So we're going to start in the 6th century AD. So... <laughs> Oh, we were talking last episode how like 1500, 1600 didn't really sound like a year. This is the year 565. So, um, <laughs> 500. I like really don't think that's real. Fake. But, you know, incomprehensible I, to I my just, small brain. It really is. I can't believe it. So, but that was the earliest report of a monster in Loch Ness. And it was written about Adamnon. Um, of Iona, who was a saint, and he wrote about it about a century after these events occurred. He wrote this down. So he described how there was an Irish monk named St. Columba who was out traveling or something with some of his companions, and he encountered a bunch of local residents who were burying some guy near the river Ness and they walked up to these residents and they were like, what's going on? And they explained to them that this man had been swimming and was suddenly attacked by a quote, water beast. Ooh. And it had mauled him and completely just like dragged him underwater and they tried to rescue him, but unfortunately he like didn't live through it. That makes sense why they were burying him. Yes. <laughs> so... St. Columba then, I guess, decided to send one of his followers across the river. I don't, like, know why, but for some reason he did. And the uh, this water beast suddenly came up out of the water and started approaching this guy really fast. Like, it was about to attack him. And St. Columba made the sign of the cross, and he said, Go no further. Do not touch the man. Go back at once. And apparently the beast suddenly stopped. And it turned around and it fled. And this led to the locals perceiving that they had witnessed a miracle. So um, St. Columba gained all this recognition because of this monster. Wild. And there's a lot of like use of water beast folklore in Celtic traditions too. And like Scottish traditions. Mm -hmm. Like Kelpies and water horses. Do you know about like Kelpies? Yeah. 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 I figured you did. Brief overview. They're like... A little scary. Murder uh, mermaids? Yeah, yeah. They're, they're really cool, though. 
Um, They're shape-shifting spirits that inhabit lakes. They're also known as water horses, usually described as black and uh, horse-like, but able to adapt to a human form. So there's a lot of folklore behind that. Um, again, stuff or stuff you should know had like a really good section about all the folklore behind that. But I also think that like we should cover it at some point. Okay. Like kelpies in general, because I think it would be really interesting. Another interesting thing is that there are some accounts that say that the kelpie retains its hooves when it transforms into a human. So interesting. That led to its association with a certain entity known as satan i was like uh i'll take the devil for 500 please (laughs) you can take the 500 there you go yeah you win well done so uh yeah so that was way 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 back then and we're gonna skip all the way ahead to october of 1871 or 1872 we're not sure but 1871 or 1872 yeah so, D. Mackenzie of Balnain, Scotland, reportedly saw an object resembling a log or an upturned boat that was wriggling around and churning up the water. And it moved really slowly at first, but then suddenly it sped up really quickly and disappeared. Mm. That was the first sighting. And then in 1888, so like 15 years later, Alexander MacDonald of Abriachin, I'm so sorry if I'm pronouncing these wrong um saw a quote large stubby legged animal surfacing from the lock and it like was moving very quickly towards shore and it ended up about 50 yards away from where he was standing so he like thought he like got a pretty good look at it and he described the creature as looking like a salamander i don't know how big it was but um that's what i got. got a pretty good look at it it looked like a salamander. It did. A oh, big, okay. large, stubby-legged salamander. <laughs> now we're going to skip ahead to July 22nd, 1933. So 1933 is when the interest in the Loch Ness Monster really just like exploded. And, like modern interest really started to come up. So July 22nd. George Spicer and his wife saw a, quote, most extraordinary form of animal cross the road in front of their car. And it had a huge body that was about four feet high and 25 feet long. So this thing was like massive. It like covered the entire road. It apparently had a super long, wavy, narrow neck that was slightly thicker than an elephant's trunk. And they didn't see any limbs. So it was just kind of like lurching across the road toward the lake it was like the lake was like 20 yards away and it was leaving this trail of broken branches and twigs and stuff as it was moving so yeah so that was like the first report and one of the theories is that the sighting started around this time because they built a road along the lock in the 1930s And so it brought a lot of new visitors to the area, and people were, like, starting to see the Loch Ness Monster more often because there were more people. Um, Another theory is that them building that road could have contributed to the sightings because there were a lot of, like, or there could have been um, barrels of tar or, like, empty tar barrels floating in the lock, and people could have mistaken that for something. 
you see. You see. You see. Interesting. Yeah. We, we talked about this a little bit with Champy, how uh, there's all kinds of different things that you can mistake for stuff in the water. So we'll get into that later. So November 12th, 1933. This was when Hugh Gray took the first photograph alleged to depict the monster. Oh my god. Oh my god. Um, it's a really blurry picture, of course. But if you look closely, it looks like it has a dog's head. So that's where the description of the Loch Ness Monster with the dog head kind of started to form. Oh, yeah. okay. The original negative has been lost, um, but some suggested that since he had taken his dog with him that day, it's just a picture of his dog, like, fetching a stick in the water. <laughs> yeah. So let me show you... This picture. This is what that's what we're looking at. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it gets it gets interesting though. So um, there were other people that suggested that it was an otter, or maybe it was a swan, and uh, that's where it kind of looks like it has like a long neck almost. I don't know. But in comes Maurice Burton, which we are going to learn a lot about Maurice Burton today. He is a British zoologist. And in 1963, he came into possession, somehow, of two lantern slides, which are, like, the contact positives from the original negative, Yeah, basically. So when he projected it onto a large screen, they revealed, quote, an otter rolling at the surface in characteristic fashion. Uh, so Maurice Burton <laughs> is like, nah, man, this is an otter. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but on January 5th, 1934, so the next year, um, there was a motorcyclist named Arthur Grant who claimed to have hit a creature at about 1 a.m. in the middle of the night. Um, and he said that it had a really long neck and it had like a small head attached to the neck. The creature apparently saw him and crossed the road back to the lock or turned around it like it turned around and looked at him and then crossed the road back to the lock. And he got off of his bike and tried to follow it. But when he looked, when he followed it to the lock, he only saw like a bunch of ripples. So he like didn't know what it was. And apparently at the time, so this guy, Arthur Grant, was a veterinary student. And he described it as a cross between a seal and a plesiosaur. Oh, that's a big jump. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he produced a sketch of what he saw and showed it to... Maurice Burton, our zoologist friend, who said that it was consistent with the appearance and behavior of an otter. So Maurice once again says, nope, it's an otter. Next. And apparently the like look of the long neck was probably just because of like really poor light conditions. It was like 1am or something. So yeah, they're probably seeing it's like little tail sticking up or something. <laughs> yeah, honestly. <sighs> so yeah. it's just an otter again. He's like, do you know how many fucking otters live in this lake, y'all? Come on. Apparently a lot. Okay, so April 21st, 1934. The Daily Mail um, published a photograph that was supposedly taken by Robert Kenneth Wilson, a London gynecologist. Interestingly enough. Interesting. Yes. According to Wilson, he was standing and looking at the lock when he saw something in the water, grabbed his camera, snapped four photos. And only two of them came out clearly. So the first one shows a small head and back. And the second 
kind of makes it, or it kind of looks like the head is like diving down back into the water. So, for 60 years, the photo was considered evidence. The photo has been altered and cropped over time. Let me show it to you. So this is like... Ah, yes. You've seen this one, I'm sure. Yes. Yeah. So this one, in 1993, the makers of the documentary Loch Ness Discovered, which I think was um, a discovery thing, they analyzed the image and found that there was a white object that was visible in every version of the photo that was believed to be the cause of the ripples, as if it were an object being towed. So they also looked at the size of like the waves and like the ripples that were around it and kind of determined that like the object was really small. It was like maybe only two to three feet long, this like little like thing. Mm-hmm. So it came out that apparently in December, 1975. So this happened in 1934. The Loch Ness discovered thing happened in 1993, but in December, 1975, Apparently, there was a Sunday Telegraph article that described a very elaborate hoax. This is kind of fun. (laughs) Starting with this guy's name. We have Marmaduke Wetherill. Okay. Who is an actor, producer, director, and film writer. Not a dog. Not a dog. No, unfortunately. I'm so sorry. Um, (laughs) Apparently, Marmaduke had been publicly ridiculed you know what i'm not gonna say that apparently weatherall had been publicly ridiculed by his employer and his employer had been the daily mail so oh okay it was after so this guy claimed to have found footprints from nessie and that turned out to be a hoax so the daily mail like publicly ridiculed him basically and to get back at them he created a second hoax with his son, Ian, and his son-in-law, Christian Sperling, who I guess was a sculptor. Huh. Yes. They were also assisted by an insurance agent named Maurice Chambers. So, I'm assuming Maurice Chambers was there to, like, make sure they weren't gonna get in legal trouble or something? I don't know. That's that's what I assume. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, we're not gonna go to jail for this, right? Okay. (laughs) Cool. Nice. Someone who kind of knows the law, but isn't a cop. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's kind of what I'm thinking. Like, they wouldn't get, like, a lawyer. Because, yeah. like, yeah. Okay, so, um, apparently this contraption that they built was a toy submarine that was from Woolworths. Fun fact. And it had a head and neck made from wood putty that they had just kind of, like, stuck on top. Mm-hmm. And so they put it in the lock and they took photos of it. And they, like, cropped it and kind of zoomed in on it to make it look like it was, like, really big. Another thing is that apparently when they heard somebody approaching, Weatherall just, like, pushed the model, the little model Nessie, like, down into the lake with his foot. And apparently it's, like, still there. Like, they were like, no, we, like, never recovered it. So it's somewhere in, like, in the lock somewhere. So, yeah. (laughs) Oh, the other thing I have is I have this, I found this cool little diagram of like what the model looked like so i'll send that to you too and i'm gonna i'm gonna post all these pictures Ooh! so yeah that was their weird little contraption that they built with like a little like nessie head on it yeah it's kind of cute yeah it's pretty cute cute. (laughs) yeah 
<laughs> Let's build a little, a little robot guy. Yeah. Stick him in the lock. Yeah. All right. So back to 1934. So July, ter- July 13th, 1934. Edward Mountain, who was the founder of Eagle Star Insurance, uh, it's one of the largest insurance companies in the UK, financed a search for Nessie. So he got 20 men together and sent them out with binoculars and cameras and put them at different uh, stations throughout the lock and told them to stay there from 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. for five weeks and just watch and, like, take pictures. So all 20 of these men, all this time, for five weeks, 21 photos were taken, and none were considered conclusive. So it was, like, kind of a waste. But this guy, like, put all this money and time into it, like, all these people together in, like, 21 photos. So Wow. That sucks. Yeah. It stinks. Um, so skipping ahead another four years, May 29th, 1938, tourist G.E. Taylor filmed something on the lock for two minutes on color film. A single frame was published in his 1961 book, The Elusive Monster. So I guess he, like, wrote a book about it. So... Again, Maurice Burton comes in and takes the film, says, give me that, and doesn't show it to anyone else, hoards it to himself, but concludes that it was a floating object, not an animal. Okay, Maurice. So Maurice says, "Mm, this one's not an otter. It's not even an animal. This is mine now. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I kind of like love Maurice Burton because he just like comes in and he's like, "Mm, no, that's an otter, man. I don't know. Finding an otter man would be pretty cool, too. (laughs) Oh, God. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. That's a new one. I wonder if there are any reports of that anywhere. Anyway. I don't know. It's not this man. It's the otter man. (laughs) The otter man empire. Yeah. Full of furniture for some reason. (laughs) (laughs) No. The otter man empire is full of otter men. Otter men. (laughs) Sitting on ottomans. God damn it. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Well, I know what the title of this episode is going to be now, so that's good. Okay, anyway. <laughs> um, okay, August, August 15th, 1938, so the same year. William Fraser, who was the chief constable of Ivernessshire. Ivernessshire sounds really cool. Mm-hmm. He wrote that a monster... <laughs> definitely existed beyond doubt he was very sure and he wrote this letter expressing concern that there was a hunting party that had arrived with custom-made harpoon guns and had the intention of killing the monster essentially either killing it or catching it so basically they like wanted nessie dead or alive and he didn't think he had enough power to be able to protect nessie against these hunters and was writing this letter because he was just so concerned about Nessie. And the letter wasn't released until uh, April 2010. And it was apparently kept in the National Archives for a really long time. So I like kind of love that guy. <laughs> I love that guy too. He was just like, oh no, dude. What are they like? He just lives here. Okay. Yeah. Leave her alone. <laughs> yeah. He's like, Nessie is real. Somebody's coming to kill them. I don't think I can do anything. I need help. Like, ugh. relatable. I should have seen if I could have, like, find it somewhere. Huh. Hmm. Well, now I'm curious. William 
Fraser Iverneshire. Oh, here it is. I found it. That was easy. There's some strange parentheses fish creature in Loch Ness seems now beyond doubt, but I think that the police cannot protect it. I have warned Mr. Peter Kent of the desirability of having creatures left alone, but whether my warning will have the desired effect or not remains to be seen. If you have any suggestion or make to make or can offer any guidance in the matter, I will be grateful. I am, sir, your obedient servant, Sir William Fraser, Chief Constable. Who did he write the letter to? It just says sir. Oh, weird. In a letter. In a letter to who? I guess that part doesn't matter. Oh, to oh. the Undersecretary of State at the Scottish office. Oh, his boss? <laughs> I'm Yeah, I'm assuming his boss or something. Yeah. Somebody above him. Interesting. Articles and photographs have been published in newspapers, and many monster hunters are traveling to Loch Ness in an effort to see it, catch, or even kill it. So concerned. So there's that. Um... So the letter, okay, so 1938, we're going to skip ahead to December 1954. The fishing boat Rival Rival 3 noted a large object on sonar readings keeping pace with their boat. Um, it was at a depth of about 146 meters, which is 479 feet. And it was detected for about 800 meters or 2,600 feet before contact was lost. So they were moving for that long before it was no longer following them. Weird. Uh, July 29th, 1955. Peter McNabb at Urquhart Castle took a photograph depicting two large humps in the water. Do I have that one? Oh, no, maybe. I don't think I have that one. Let me see if I can find it. Oh, this is a really cool picture, actually. Put this over here and put this over here and put this over here. Copy. Paste. Oh, there it is. Interesting. Yeah. So, there was a guy named Roy McCall who requested to use this photograph for a book that he was writing. This was in 1976, so like 20 years later. But when he got the negative, he noticed that there was a tree missing from the bottom left corner. So, he went back and compared it to the photograph that was published in another book. Um, I think it's in one a guy named white i can't remember oh my god man some guy named white w-h-y-t-e but anyway this so there was another book that was written by this other guy and so he took the negative that he got and he compared it to this picture that was in another book and noticed that it was completely different he was oh. like uh and so i guess they suspected and or discovered that basically they had like taken a photo and then copied and pasted another photo onto it to make it look like something was like moving i guess oh so there like wasn't anything there in the original or like or like there was like maybe something like there was a wave or something like that but like they basically like old-fashioned photoshopped it to make it bigger or something like that that's pretty funny but they, like, in the process, cut this, like, weird tree out of the bottom corner. So he was like, why isn't this picture the same? So I don't know whether, like, that's actually true or if they just cropped it or something. Uh, but they were, like, pretty convinced that this guy had, like, hoaxed it. So Stupid. Ugh. So sad. Why does everyone do that? 
I don't know. I feel like people like get too excited. Like they see like a wave or like something and like floating in the water and they get like too excited. And I don't know. We were in 1963. No, so it was completely different. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. So 1960. Uh, um, this, this. It was at, this is after the, the two pictures that didn't match up. Yeah. Okay. Right. So. Tim Dinsdale uh, filmed a hump in the water, leaving a wake across Loch Ness. Viewers were initially skeptical, saying that it could it could be basically ruled out as being a boat. And when the contrast was increased, you could like basically see what looked like it was a man in a boat. Oh, <laughs> but the thing is, is that that documentary, that Loch Ness discovered documentary, or whatever, in 1993. Um, they did a digital enhancement of the film and it showed a shadow in the negative that looked like there was, uh, like the rear body of a creature underwater. Oh, shit. Yeah. So there was, there was a guy that said, quote, before I saw the film, I thought the Loch Ness monster was a load of rubbish. Having done the enhancement, I'm not so sure. So that's the guy who like did the, uh, enhancement for it. I don't remember what his name was, but, um, so yeah. And they like never really figured that one out. So that one is like one of the first ones that's kind of like, huh. Uh. Uh. So in 1962, the Loch Ness Phenomena Investigation Bureau, or the LNPIB, uh, was founded with the intention of encouraging groups of volunteers to watch the lock with cameras. Linpib. Linpib. Linpib had about... 1,030 members until it was disbanded in 1972. So it went for about 10, it ran for about 10 years. Um, and it had over 1,000 members. So there's that. That's wild. So in 1967, um, a guy named D. Gordon Rucker volunteered his skills as a sonar developer to the LNPIB, to the LINPIB, for... <laughs> Two weeks, a sonar device was fixed underwater, and it basically just cast this huge acoustic, quote, net across the lock. So, like, there was no way that some kind of object could pass through that net without being undetected. And um, they got two targets that were identified. And one was probably a shoal of fish, and the other moved in a way that wasn't typical of a shoal of fish, and it moved at speeds up to 10 knots, which is about 11 miles an hour. Um, so, like, it was wow. moving, like, faster than they would expect it to. So that's, like, one of the first things where they, like, caught something weird on sonar that they, like, didn't couldn't explain. Um, so... Here's a fun one. May 21st, 1977. So that's 10 years after... While camping near Urquhart Castle, magician and psychic Anthony Shields um, took what can be considered to be some of the clearest photos of the monster to this day. He described it as an as a quote elephant squid, and claimed that the long neck shown in the photo that he took was actually the trunk, and there was a white spot at the base of its neck that was its eye. So, I'm gonna I'm gonna show you this one. Okay. And then I'll tell you another little fun fact about about this guy. <laughs> so, um God, I can't wait. And this 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 one actually comes in meme format. This picture here. 
So I figured I would send you that, that version. There it is. This is what they call the Loch Ness Muppet. Wow. It, it looks like a meh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but the elephant squid thing. So, the, so yeah. he's saying that the white spot that's down at the bottom is its eye. And like the, that's like its trunk sticking out of the water. Weird. Um, but a lot of people like see it. Like I see it as just like a dorky looking like dinosaur with a huge like grin on its face. Yeah. Wow. I don't know. <laughs> so the first thing is that um, there's a lack of ripples in the water. So that like automatically led to people saying that this was a hoax. And then the second thing is that this Anthony Shields guy came out and said, oh, I summoned this animal out of the water. This was my doing. And so everyone was like, what the fuck did you do? What are you, <laughs> what are you talking about, man? <laughs> um, so that one can probably be considered to be a hoax wild weird so wild what a strange guy and i'll like talk about that a little bit in part two because there's a theory that like alistair crowley summoned the loch ness monster because like the bolus guide house is like on loch ness so anyway oh, i'll talk about that Christ. i'll talk about that a little in part two because it's i can't wait yeah <laughs> um <laughs> So, May 26, 2007. So, we're skipping ahead an entire 30 years. Um, and in this period of time, basically what's happened is there has been that documentary, the Loch Ness Discovered documentary came out. That was in like 1993, like the early 1990s. So they did like a bunch of research. And then we're skipping ahead to 2007. And May 26, Lab technician Gordon Holmes videotapes something jet black moving quickly in the water. Um, it was about 14 meters or 46 feet long. So Adrian Shine, who is a marine biologist, uh, saw this footage and said that it's some of the best footage he has ever seen and that it is probably not an otter. It's also probably not a seal or a water bird. Probably not an otter. So that's good. We're one step ahead. I'm going to send you this video and you can watch it. It's like three minutes long, but you can skip ahead. If you skip ahead like a minute in, it'll show it. So they play it at one minute. They play it at one minute and 50 seconds. Huh. Weird. So. Very weird. And then Adrian Shine is also in this video. Wow, that's what Adrian Shine looks like? That's what Adrian Shine looks Holy like. Holy shit. I believe him. I believe him too. He looks like a guy I would believe. Yeah. So I'll try to post, that's on YouTube, if you search for uh, Loch Ness Monster footage, May 28th, 2007, it'll come up. So, there's that. Oh, I said May 26th, so YouTube says May 28th, this is May 26th, I don't know, whatever, one of those two days. Or maybe the 27th, who knows. So. Who knows? Who knows? Not me. Not me. Certainly not the internet. Um, Ain't that some shit. All right. So now August 24th, 2011. So we're getting more and more recent. Boat captain Marcus Atkinson photographed a sonar image of an unidentified object that seemed to be following his boat for about two minutes. Um, it was about 1.5 meters or 4.9 feet wide. So not long. We're talking like width. Wide. Thick boy. And 
Apparently, in April 2012, there was a scientist from the National Oceanography Center that said that the image is a bloom of algae and zooplankton. So, yes, again, people are mistaking it for stuff. Either that or people are just, like, claiming that it's other things and pushing it off to the side. Um, August 2nd, 2012, George Edwards, who had been searching for the monster for 26 years. um, Also, he had been spending 60 hours a week on his boat for 26 years, literally searching for Nessie. I don't Um, think she's there, buddy. Like, what? I I don't, yeah. I don't Um, know. And his boat was called the Nessie Hunter 4. So I don't know if there were Nessie Hunters 1, 2, and 3, or if, like, but he claimed that in 2012, he finally photographed Nessie. And he thinks that Nessie is... (laughs) Okay, so he thinks that Nessie is closer to a manatee. But... Here's the quote that got me. So the quote says, In my opinion, it probably looks like a manatee, not a mammal. Which I'm going to say first, manatees are mammals. So I'm not really sure what's up with that. Um, But he also says that when people see two or three humps, they're probably seeing two or three separate monsters. So he like thinks that they're like kind of like manatees. But they're not mammals, though. They're not mammals. But they also, like, hang out in groups, you know. I understand why he would say that, but... Because <laughs> he's thinking more along the lines of, like, dolphins and sharks. I guess so. And but he's been researching this for 26 years, and he, like, doesn't... Doesn't know what a manatee is. I don't... I mean, he's from <laughs> Scotland, like... Ireland... What country? Scotland. We're in Scotland. In Scotland. He's never been anywhere where there's a manatee. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, probably not. If he's been spending 60 hours a week on his bow on Loch Ness for 26 years, he probably hasn't really done much. Yeah, done much. Besides that, yeah. Um, He also apparently participated in the filming of a National Geographic documentary where he claimed to have taken another photo in 1986. So eventually they took the photograph from 2012 or 2011 or whatever. And researchers started to find like inconsistencies in it. And so he admitted that the 2011 or 2012 picture was a hoax. Um, But then he backtracked and said that, but, but wait, the 1986 photo was genuine. That one's real. So again, we don't really know. Could have been a hoax. Could have been real. I don't know. All right, so skipping ahead to August of 2013, tourist David Elder claimed to have captured a five-minute video of a mysterious wave in the lock while trying to photograph a swan. And Stupid fucking wave. Oh, wait. <laughs> he's like... What is that? Um, according to him, it was produced by a 15-foot solid black object that was just under the surface of the water. He claimed that at the time, the water was very still and there was no activity, so it was just, like, really out of nowhere, and it was really out of, like, it just, like, didn't make sense for it to be there. Um, But there are a lot of skeptics that suggest that that wave was created by just, like, a big gust of wind, essentially. Which happens. So, the last thing I'm going to mention is April 19th, 2014. There was a satellite image on Apple Maps that showed what appeared to be a large creature just below the surface of the lock. It appeared to be about 20 meters or 
90 feet long, I think. And there were a whole bunch of different like explanations for it, but I will send it to you. It looks like a giant jellyfish. Yeah, it's really <laughs> weird. But people were saying that like it could have been like a really big log that was like sticking out of the water or something. But the big thing that people said was that it was probably the wake of a boat. And you say, oh, well, how come you can't see a boat? Well, I sent you a second picture. Um, <clears throat> apparently, when you like adjust, adjust the contrast of a picture, if a, the boat is white, it's like the same color as the wake around it. And you like can't even see that there's a boat there. So oh. it's like a weird like optical illusion thing, like with the contrast of like the picture and stuff like that. So... That's really cool, actually. It is really neat, yeah. So that Weird. one was debunked. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> that's basically all I have. And like I said, all of that came from, like, Wikipedia and just, like, a quick, like, search on Google. It's, like, kind of disappointing because almost every single one has been debunked or people have said, no, I think that's probably this, that's probably the other thing. And, um, like, I want to be able to, like, sit here and say, like, Nessie is real. But, like, from the research from just part one, I'm sitting here thinking, like, no. But the thing is, is that there's a whole other section, like, all of the sonar stuff, all of the, like, research that they've done that, like, I think is probably going to maybe, like, change people's minds a little bit. Because once I started getting into um, all of the actual scientific research that they've done, I found a few things that kind of in intrigued me a little bit. So that'll be part two. Ooh, and uh hopefully okay. that'll kind of make us feel a little bit better about nessie existing because i would really like to think that nessie exists me too <laughs> but anyway that was part one of the loch ness monster for our friend nessie yay yay i, love her. I know me too <sighs> dinosaur ghost yeah i'm saying that's that's one of the explanations i believe it yeah i believe, I believe it. it all right <laughs> I believe it. I just believe it. I just do. It's too late. Believe it. Believe it. <laughs> we haven't been sued yet. We can still say it. I'm leaving. <laughs> um, so I want to talk about weed. Yes. And I want to talk about drying and curing weed. Ooh. And Ooh. I thought... Ah. Who better to talk about drying and curing weed than my lovely husband, Nick? Wow! So, he's gonna come on and help me talk about this. Sick! It's, it's, is this Nick, is this Nick's first, first official guest appearance besides him just, like, popping up in the background? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Very cool. So, um, I don't know how to do this. <laughs> okay. Because we only have one set of headphones. I think, and I don't know how to make it so we can both hear you. Well, you won't. You won't really need to hear me that much, dude. I'm like not gonna have much to say. I'm mostly just gonna sit and listen. So yeah, that's fair. All right. If I have a question for Nick, I can bounce it off of you, and you can. Uh... Sounds good. All right. Let's go like this. Okay. <laughs> don't lean closer. <laughs> not too close. Lower your voice. Right. <laughs> Tony Danza. Here, I even pulled up a little reference page for us. Okay. Lovely. I might learn something here. Yeah. 
I actually have weed to dry in like two weeks. So yeah, that's why I'm talking about it. So our plants are getting, or the one plant I guess, is getting close to harvest time, mm-hmm. and I was inspired because uh, we're gonna be trimming and then drying and curing our weed very soon. So it's fresh on the brain. Nice. Fresh on the brain. Mm-hmm. So it's my understanding that what you want to do is you want to cut your weed down and you want to make sure that it is in an environment where the air is one dry, but also it has to be a certain humidity and temperature for the weed to properly continue to make the trichomes more potent than they already are. So I'm pretty sure because you don't want you don't want it too dry in your environment or the weed will uh, it'll dry out really fast and it won't have time to develop the THC as well in the trichomes. Okay. Um, so most of what I know is you want it to be anywhere from like five to eight days of just like I think it's like 60 ish uh, RH uh, relative humidity. And you want it to be dark and you want it to be like 50 degrees. Okay. You will know when your weed is done drying because when you grab a stem of one of the branches and you bend it, you will hear the snap. But you don't want it to snap all the way off. Yeah, yeah. Or else you know you've over dried. And if you go too far when you're drying weed and it ends up like crispy, you can always put it into a ball jar with those humidity packets mm-hmm. and bring your humidity back into it. Um, but the curing process is a whole different animal. Yeah. So according to this article, the basic of it is that drying weed is removing the surface moisture of your weed. Hmm. Um, the reason you don't want it too humid is because molds can grow and mm-hmm. if it's uh if it's too humid you can get what people know as bud rot which is in between the stacks of the nugs uh mold will form and it is not smokable anymore yeah because you don't want to smoke mold because then you'll die because <laughs> then you'll die uh, I don't know if you'll die, but it's definitely, you'll definitely, not, good. It's definitely not good for you yet. <laughs> definitely not good. <laughs> not good. And then what I know about curing weed is essentially you'll have your weed in the mason jars. And I think it's every eight hours you want to try and burp the jar to <laughs> let some... Sorry, the... you said burp, but I had a laugh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, essentially, yeah, you're going to want to burp the jars and <laughs> let some of the humidity out, leave the caps off for, I don't know, like five, five, 10, 15 minutes, and then cap them back up. And then you're just going to keep doing that for the first two weeks. You're going to do it every eight hours, I believe. And then after the first two weeks, I'm pretty sure you're only going to, you're going to start slowing down the cycle and you're going to do it like once a day. And then when you get to like three weeks, you're going to wait a few days to do it. And you can literally cure weed for like months. And some people treat weed like it is wine and will absolutely just like go all out and like cure their weed for like nine months before they smoke it. But mm-hmm. that is not going to be us. Yeah. Yeah. We no, smoke no. Our weed around here. Whoa. 
<laughs> yeah, so curing is just like moving the inside moisture left after drying it back evenly throughout the rest of the bud and it just like develops all these like flavors and yeah that's that's where uh <sighs> delicious the you'll get your really good weed smell is from curing it properly and you'll also get the flavors from the um what terpenes. are they called not trichomes terpenes terpenes yeah terpenes. them big daddy terps <laughs> oh god <laughs> Yes, correct. Terps. (laughs) Interesting. So apparently um, chlorophyll is the chemical that makes weed green and Uh also um, is the chemical that makes your bud uh, taste and smell like fresh, like fresh cut grass. So curing provides time for the chlorophyll to break down and leave the plant. So that's why you can taste a lot of other flavors instead of just grass. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> if yeah, you yeah. Cure your, If you cure your weed properly. Yeah, you'll know if your weed's not cured if you open it and it smells like your lawn. Oh, yeah. Um, and it's, like, wild to, like... Because you can, like, dry it and leave it alone and it'll just smell like your lawn. Yeah, it's wild because, like, if you, like, smell it, like, every time you, like, burp it to cure it, like, you can start to smell the difference. Yeah. And you, like, open the jar one day and you're just like, oh, my God. <laughs> Ooh, it's weed now. It's weed now. <laughs> it's weed now. <laughs> yeah. It's really great. Amazing. Yeah. What a transformation. So much to look forward to. Mm-hmm. Um, it's definitely going to... How long until we... How long until you're going to cut those down? Oh, I'm going to cut that plant down. I want to flush it like two more times because uh, when you flush it, it takes all of the stuff, all of like the weird buildup of nutrients out of it that would cause it to have like a harsh smoke. So make sure you flush your weed. Um, but I'm going to flush it two more times and then I'll cut it down and start the drying process and just double check and make sure that I'm not lying about any of the steps. Yeah, that's also fair. <laughs> There's a lot of weird times and things that can be or can't be well if people actually want to take it on they can look it up I'll also make sure that you do oh you do have to trim your weed in between mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah trim your weed trim your weed trim your weed uh <laughs> after you dry it you can trim all the fan leaves off before you dry it um but people usually leave the sugar leaves on there because they make for good edibles so you don't want to just like trim that off before you dry and also make sure you do all of your curing in a nice, cool, dark space because you don't want mold to form. Yes. Yay. Yay. Thank you. Yes. Wonderful. So. I feel wow. cured. Cured of I... my lack of weed knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for coming and talking about weed. Thank you. Oh, thank you for having me on the show. Yay. I'll be around if you ever need any more questions answered. Okay. Oh, well, the last time... Uh, the last time we tried to phone a friend, he was sleeping. That's true. <laughs> that's okay. Oh, that's okay. Wow, great. Thank you. You're welcome. I feel educated. Me too. Wow. Anyways, do you have anything else? No. All right. Well, <laughs> you can check out our website at yourbrainonweird.com. 
and it's got places where you can submit stories if you want to send us a fun story. You can subscribe to our Patreon if you want to listen to the episodes 24 hours plus plus early. <laughs> plus plus. And uh, get stickers and mugs and t-shirts and weird benefits that we send out. So yeah, you can check that out. And all of our social media is on our website and all that shit. And we also have merch. So yeah, just go yeah. there and click go around. There. Click around and look at all the stuff. Look at all the stuff. All the art, all the fun art. There's a lot of fun art. There fun art is. And um, other than that, I guess I just wanted to say we will try to do a little weird this this uh this month because <laughs> we haven't done it. So sorry, but yeah. we'll try to do one this month. And that's all I got. Me too. Yay! <laughs> My brain is weird. Perfect. Just floating around in there. <laughs> You're doing great. On oh, its weird little stem, like uh, <laughs> 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 so weird. Okay. Oh, gross. <laughs> Anyways, I don't want to think about it. All right, I'm Sage, <laughs> and I'm Sam, and this has been our brains on weird, and also yours. Thank you. Thank you. Good night. Oh, Good night.